A supportive work environment can help everyone working in schools stay resilient. Just finding people that can reassure me that I'm doing my best and that there are people out there who understand me and can help me through these situations. You are not alone. Leaning on each other, uh, colleagues in education is, is essential. You have to. We take care of one another. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. That's cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. This is the GM Shuffle. Every time Baltimore offensively plays against an elite coordinator, this offense seems to stagnate. I I just, to me, I don't know why you don't give yourself a a chance to win, and I bet Marcus Peters feels the same way. I'm sure that's why they were arguing. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VEASAN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. Michael, we had another fun week in the National Football League. But before we get into that, I wanted to actually allow you to talk about your book. Congratulations, buddy. You've come up with the title, man. I I saw it over the weekend. I'm thrilled for you. I appreciate it. Yeah, and finally now the manuscript goes to a a senior copy editor and – it started out as 160,000 words that got uh, – we negotiated it down to uh, 108. And, uh, you know, and so there it goes. It's called – it's Football Done Right. It, it, the title of the book is, is uh, Football Done Right. And it's, uh, it's kind of setting the record straight on the coaches, players, and the history of the NFL. That's the subtitle. So what I tried to do in the book, the book is basically going to be – Seven chapters of the coaches, coaches' rankings, going through the coaching trees, the five coaching trees, what I basically what I see today, how they still influence the game, and uh, and then talking about television, how television influenced the game, and then then I grade the top 100, who I think are the top 100 players, and some of those players are current players. Some of those players aren't in the Hall of Fame. So it's my version of the top 100 based on the tape I studied, based on how I would project them to play in the game today moving forward. I cannot wait for it. And the release date, you talked about it on Twitter, August 23rd of 2023. Is that correct? Yeah, that's yeah August of 2023. I okay. don't know what the date will be, but I think ultimately it's going to be around the Hall of Fame weekend because this book has got a lot of Hall of Fame uh you know, it, it's really about the it's about the Hall of Fame, right? It is mm. about how perception rules the day and how I think some of the voters have gotten it wrong. And you know, it's funny. I was watching a documentary the other day on Nolan Ryan, tremendous documentary. If you've never seen it, it's on Amazon Prime. And I didn't know this, but S- Nolan Ryan in his historic career never won a Cy Young Award. Never won wow. a Cy Young Award. I don't even know how that's possible, right? But I do know, the reason I wrote this book is why I know it's possible, right? Because when you have people with subjective influence, the writer's writing, same thing with grading the Hall of Fame, you've got a lot of room for error, a lot of room for error. So part of the book, in Chapter 3, I write about the criteria for coaches to get into the Hall of Fame because Mm -hmm. we are now at just a randomness of who gets in and who doesn't. There's no criteria. There's no criteria for players either, but that's a little bit harder. 
you know, and so I do try to do that with some of the players. Like, we're just going to let a 1,000 receivers in the Hall of Fame, even though nobody <laughs> pays attention to how many catches based how many touchdowns, right? Yeah. Like, Paul Warfield's one of the greatest players in the NFL because his touchdown-to-catch ratio is remarkable. Now, if he played today, God only knows how many catches he would have had. So, the criteria, but that, that struck me. The other thing that struck me before we get on with the show is Deion Sanders. And Dion really essentially laid out the book without me even asking him to lay out the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was watching him get interviewed, and, and he was on – I think he was on a podcast. I'm not sure what it was. I yeah. think it was with Ryan Clark, I believe, whatever that podcast is called. I saw a clip of it on Instagram, and it just blew me away. And, and De- Dion says, my gold jacket is different than some other guy's gold jackets. Right? <laughs> mm-hmm. And – no truer words could have been spoken. I mean, think about this. Dion comes walking out. He's got a gold jacket on. Tommy McDonald, the wide receiver for the Eagles, he scored 65 touchdowns. He was traded for a kicker. He's got a gold <laughs> jacket, okay? You think they're the same guy? Not quite. <laughs> huh? I mean, think about it. And that's why I wrote the book. Because, A, there's no criteria, and there has to be an elite section. So, Part of the top 100 is I take players and put them in a section where I call, you know, each one begins with the letter E, and the elite players go in that section. No, They abs- should have a different color jacket. I absolutely cannot wait for it. August of 2023, football done right, setting the record straight on the coaches, players, and history of the NFL. If you're a football junkie, you make sure to read that book. I will want a book. Michael, I tweeted it out. I said, I want a signed copy, buddy. That's what, that's what I want. Man. Don't, that's, don't that's worry about that. Come yeah. on, don't worry. I'm looking forward to it. We haven't designed the book yet, so I'll be anxious mm-hmm. to see that. And I and you gotta, I got to credit Millie. Yeah, I don't know if I told you the story how the title got set, but it, it, and we got to get on with the show here today. But So Millie, we're living in Los Angeles, and I wanted Gridiron Genius to be titled. The minute, I, the minute when I started to, when I was at the Raiders and I knew I was going to get fired because I told Al Davis that, Art Shell, if you hire Art Shell, this is going to be a disaster of epic proportions. And, and he just looked at me, and he hired him. And I went home, and I told Millie what I told him. And, sh- and I said to Millie, if Art Shell wins, he'll never fire us. If Art Shell loses, we're fired. And she's like, well, how could that be? I said, because he's never going to look at me knowing I was right. Okay, so that's just a fact. <laughs> so anyway, so once I knew that, I took a writing class over in San Francisco. I knew I wanted to write a book. I knew that this was coming to an end. And so when I started, the minute I wanted to write the book, the title of the book was Bills of Rights because it was Walsh and Belichick. Mm. So the publisher hated that. So I was searching for a title. And Millie's shopping one day. We're living in Los Angeles, and she's over at the, at the Sprouts in L.A., right in, uh, in, in, Marina, in the marina. And, and she looks at Dave's bread, and it says, white bread done right. Okay? Mm-hmm. And she, she like immediately calls me. We got named the book Football Done Right. Well, they didn't like that title. Okay, so they named it Gridiron Genius. I wanted to then be Gridiron Geniuses, but they didn't take that. So anyway, moving forward, I don't really know what this book title is. It, it kind of was working as the history of football or football. So then I threw it out there. How, what do you guys think about football done right? And now that's the title. How about that? <laughs> all, goes, all goes back to Millie. You never I'll buy know. a loaf of Dave's bread. bread with it. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. The loaf of bread come with the book as well. But uh, as always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. You can tweet at us at MLombardiNFL, at Femi Abebefe's, where you can find me, our producer, Stephen Bond, with us as always on the ones and twos. And Michael, what a day in the National oh. Football League. The witching hour delivered once again as it has through the first four weeks of the season. Let's can I start. say something before you get going? Yeah, let's, uh, let's get into it. I have four weeks in, uh-huh. four weeks into the season. I've not heard Scott Hansen's voice once. Not once. <laughs> not once. <laughs> I've been for 17 weeks. I'm never going to hear it. I'm you, never going to hear it. Are, are you watching Red Zone or, and you have it on mute or you're just not watching Red Zone? I watch. I, everything's on mute. Yesterday I was by myself for, for the day. There wasn't a sound to be heard other than Bella <laughs> snore. There was not a sound to be heard. I was so happy. <laughs> well, maybe when you go back and pull up the NFL Plus, if you can get that to work, you'd be one of the few people to be able to accomplish that. But uh, you can go back and watch some of the uh, the broadcast feeds there because uh, you missed out on some good stuff, maybe. Or maybe you didn't. But uh, the good game that we saw in the AFC was Bills-Ravens, a battle of two contenders. Buffalo coming back from behind down 20-3 to to beat the Baltimore Ravens 23-20. Buffalo improves to 3-1. and Another blown lead from the Baltimore Ravens. And there's a lot to get into with this game here. But Baltimore, they had the lead. They were in control. Then the second half, here comes Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills, and they stunned the Ravens at home. You know, it's like I was – we were doing I – love, I love Sundays when there's a 9.30 game because, you know, the, the, our producer, Stephen Bond, lets, gives me liberty to just start rambling about the game so I can actually <laughs> be in the booth for a moment. And I'm watching Buffalo-Baltimore, and, you know, Baltimore jumps off to that uh, – a 20-point lead and a 20 to 10 lead in the first half, and I'm thinking we're going to have to get to 30 to win this game. Of course, Baltimore doesn't score a point in the second half, and they average 4.6 yards per play. They have four drives in the second half, four drives in the fourth quarter, and they get and and they don't get anything done with. They had 21 plays, two interceptions in the fourth quarter. And they got nine first downs, and you know we can talk about it. You know, I mean. I, they just you can't when you play Buffalo, you have to mat, you got to score all the time. You can't slow it down, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. they couldn't. The big decision that a lot of people are talking about at the end of the game was with four fifteen left to play in regulation tie game twenty to twenty. The Ravens drove the ball to the two yard line, fourth and goal. John Harbaugh elects to go for it. Lamar Jackson throws an interception to Jordan Poyer in the end zone. So they don't even get the benefit of getting stopped there and the Bills having to go 90-plus yards. The Bills then get the touchback and start on their own 20. Here's what Harbaugh had to say about this after the game when asked about it by the media. You're putting them out there. You're putting your defense at a disadvantage because they've got four downs to convert all the way down the field and a chance to, again, score seven, and then you, you lose the game on a touchdown. So... And then the worst thing, the other thing you think you're going to get the ball at the two-yard line. So I'm very confident in our defense. Defense's ability to stop them down there with the ball in the two-yard line. So we got them backed up. If we don't get it, it didn't turn out that way, unfortunately, and we lost the game. So hindsight, you could take the points. But if you look at it analytically, I understand why we did it. Uh, Michael, did you look I, at it I analytically? I don't understand the answer. I don't understand the answer. Every first of all, I, I am I'm a, I don't like fourth down in the first, second, or third quarter. I don't I think it's got to be a calculated decision mm-hmm. in those quarters. In the fourth quarter, there's no decision, right? Either you go for it or you don't, right? In the fourth quarter, you're managing the game. I get his point. Like if he's saying what he's saying was, even though he's talking out of both sides of his mouth. If I kick this field goal, we can't, they're going to score a touchdown and beat me. That's what he's saying. 
I don't understand the four down. The fourth down was always going to be in play the entire whether he kicked the field goal or kicked a touchdown. That they were going to be on four downs the whole way down the field. I don't understand. I don't know why some writer didn't say to him, Coach, like why isn't fourth down if you kick the field goal in play? Why isn't fourth down when you if you score the touchdown in play? Like fourth down was going to be in play. And then you call a play where you don't even give your be- your best player a chance to run pass. What's the benefit of having like what's the benefit of having him as your as your as your player when you drop him back like he's Tom Brady? And then there's no coaching point here, right? Like if you want it, like here's the point. If we don't have it, Lamar, throw it away. We'll back him up. If we don't have it, throw it away. Did somebody say that to him? I don't think so. Doubt because it. they didn't get they bought the ball back <clears throat> at the 20. I, I think to me, the other thing is, Femi is when you look at their when you look at this game and you watch it and you see what did they do in the second half? I mean the second half they had four possessions. They had four possessions. They had eight plays in the second quarter. They got one first down. A third quarter they got one first down. And they had the 21 in the fourth quarter and they and they and they got nine first downs. I mean like tell me when you were moving the ball in the second half. Like tell me when the Buffalo had it four possessions too. They had field goal Touchdown, they forced him to punt one time, and then they went 12 plays, 67 yards. So for me, like, why not take the points? I mean, why not take the points? You got a three and out the series before. I, I just, to me, I don't know why you don't give yourself a, t- a chance to win, and I bet Marcus Peters feels the same way. I'm sure that's why they were arguing. Peters was fired up after the game, and while I actually agree with the decision that Harbaugh made, I don't agree with his rationale. I thought, like you said, talking out of both sides of his mouth, the reason why I would have gone for it on fourth down is because I don't think field goals are beating Josh Allen. And they've gotten those stops there, but you need touchdowns to try to beat Josh Allen. Field goals aren't going to cut it. We saw Buffalo drive, march right down the field there, 12 plays, 77 yards to end it. I think you needed to score a touchdown at that point, just based on how they had been moving the ball offensively all throughout that second half there with that Bills offense. Well, but the weather, though, Femi, I mean, you got to play the weather into account, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the weather's huge here. And, you know, there's a tip ball. There's maybe a fumble. You know, when when you're only down, how the other thing is if you go for three, are they going to be conservative once they get in the field goal range? How much are they going to be willing to risk this? Right? Yeah, possibly. I mean, you, you know, and that's sometimes when you're down four, you're more aggressive. When you're down three, you want to make sure at least you get the game in overtime. Now, I think McDermott would have been, but, you know, you get a penalty. They go 77 yards. Do you get a penalty on one of the drives? I, I just think to me it's it's I, I would have taken the points and look I think Baltimore played the game exactly how you have to play it they win time of possession thirty eight to ten to twenty one minutes Josh Allen you know but jo- they Kim, Josh Allen averages five point three a play the the total bill offense I mean it's funny this game both both quarterbacks led their teams in rushing both had eleven carries both averaged six point four one averaged six point six I mean. It was the single wing, but the difference was Baltimore couldn't make a play in the second half. I mean, this has got to worry you too, Femi, because every time Baltimore, I wrote this in my notes, every time Baltimore offensively plays against an elite coordinator, whether it's Leslie Frazier, Sean McDermott combined together, this offense seems to stagnate. And if I'm John Harbaugh, I'm sitting back there saying, wait a minute, that was a playoff game that reminds me of Tennessee. It reminds me, is this Lamar? Is this Lamar's problem when we get when they defend him perfectly? Or is this our offensive problem? I think that's a fair question to ask going forward. 
I've never been a believer in Greg Roman, and maybe it's a combination of Roman and Lamar or what's going on, but I think their scheme is just way too reliant on Lamar making plays that are against the elite teams. It's not going to happen. You can beat the, the other teams in the league, the middle-tier teams and all that, but one of the reasons why I like Buffalo to win this game was because the Bills are the best team in my opinion. You, Lamar might oh, be playing I, I, like the best player, but you, you need more than that to beat the best team. I mean, I took I gave Baltimore out as a pick on on Chris Russo's show on Friday afternoon, and you know, and and it ends up pushing. But I thought to me it would be a close game. I really did. I thought it was going to be a you know one of those that I thought. Well, every time you can get Baltimore in three points with Tucker, I think you got to take it. That here's the you don't want to know why you lost the game. Mark Andrews has five targets, two catches for 15 yards. You take Mark Andrews out of their offense, where are they going? I mean, Bateman got hurt, had a key drop. You know, he averaged five seven a catch. I mean, they made no explosive plays in the game. They made no explosive plays in the game. So I'm with you. I think, and I've said this for three years now. If I were Greg Roman, I would be an outside zone. He would be under center more. But that's not the case. That you know, nobody's listening. Should the Ravens have let the Bills score toward the end there when they after they, they tried. used that final time? They, tried. Out? they yeah. tried. They they definitely tried. And 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 all all Buffalo wanted to do was to get the first down. That's mm-hmm. all they wanted to do. They wanted to get that first down in there. And they were like, they were determined to not let them let them score. They did exactly that way. That's great execution by the Bills in that situation. It really just- was. I mean, they planned it out. They planned it so that the field goal wins the game, but they had no interest in scoring. That Baltimore was trying to push him in the end zone. Yeah, and that's that's a difficult thing to do when the other team is just sitting on it and not wanting to score, knowing that you have no timeouts left. Uh, the Bills are the best team, in my opinion, but the only unbeaten team in the NFL is up in your neck of the woods, Michael. The Philadelphia Eagles, they defeat the Jacksonville Jaguars 29-21 to yesterday afternoon. Philly's run game and their pass rush was the story, in my opinion, especially that pass rush, the way they were getting to Trevor Lawrence, causing those fumbles in the second half. And then once again, Second quarter Eagles strike Michael as they go ahead and go down 14 nothing, but then they score three touchdowns there in that second period. You know, I got to give Philly credit here because Jeff Laurie believes that the, the forward pass is the only way to win in the NFL, and, I, and I'm with him. I think he's right. And so for him to watch his football team run the ball 50 times in a game is got to be challenging for him. But this is the best way to play, and I don't think Hurts played his best game by far. I think he was very vulnerable. But the things that worried me about this game, and I, I never gave a side out as a pick in this game because I was worried about Jacksonville's offensive line. Because remember, when they played Washington in week one, my man got killed. He got he got beat up in there, and he couldn't really make any plays. And I think this – and it happened yesterday. Four, four fumbles and an interception. You're not beating anybody. And when you look at the drive chart and you look at some of what they did, I don't really get the sense that – that Jacksonville really was comfortable with their game plan. I, I think when they go back and watch the tape today, they had way too many three and outs. They didn't get first downs on on at least seven drives. They didn't even get a first down. So, you know, to me, there's a lot of work. And so they stepped up in class. They weren't ready to step up in class. I, I actually thought defensively they hung in there. They played well. They just couldn't hold on in the second quarter. I mean, they gave up those drives in, in the second quarter, and, and it was all based on runs. Remember, I said this on my show on Lombardi line, Miles Sanders had to be the guy in this game. Mm-hmm. And why is that? Because they were going to defend him outside in. They, they were going to force the ball into the middle of the Jacksonville defense. That's the way Jacksonville wanted it to be. Go down, and, 
and and he did it. And he was able to run the ball, average five yards a carry, you know, and, and they took off. So 27 carries, 134 yards from Miles Sanders and two touchdowns. And you, you mentioned it from Jacksonville's side of things. The step up in class was, I thought, the big thing for them because they go ahead and they beat the Colts. They beat the Chargers, both of those teams being banged up, Philadelphia healthy in this game, and the Eagles got it done. I mean, the Jags had a pick six. That was their first touchdown in this game. If Hurts doesn't throw that interception, who knows what the score looks like between yeah. the Eagles and the Jaguars. Also, we got started bright and early, Michael, on Sunday. And I was talking to our producer, Stephen Bond, about this before we got the show underway. 14 and a half hours of football yesterday. Now, for some people, that might be too much. For me, that was just enough. It was a lot by the end of the day, but I absolutely loved it. And the game overseas at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium between the Vikings and the Saints was an entertaining one. Vikings win it 28 to 25. You talk about the kicking game. That's what this game kind of came down to with Will Lutz. The double doink as time expired there in regulation, Vikings hold on to win three and one. Minnesota now sits here. Are you impressed with what you've seen from the Vikings here through the first quarter of this season? No, no and I'll tell you why. Because I, I was doing the color for the game with Patrick and I. And I, I really, when you watch the flow of the game, I think it's pretty clear to see that Kevin O'Connell calls the game like an offensive coordinator. He doesn't call it like a head coach. So what does that mean? So there's always a point in the game where you have to decide, okay, if I get in third down, can I protect them? No, I can't. Okay, that looks pretty bad. Cousins is going to get hit. Any third and long, I'm in trouble, right? Okay, so how do I stay out of third and long? I get, I get, I got to have a really good second down play sheet. But what Kevin was doing was he would throw it on first down to try to get ahead of himself. But then when he didn't get when it was incomplete, he came back and tried to run it, and now he's mm-hmm. in third and long. It's the it's the trap. They lured you into that trap. And so to me, when I watched him, he called the game really like a he called the game like an offensive coordinator. And offensive coordinators call the game, they only care about yards. They don't give a shit about managing the game. They could give a shit about yards. And we'll get to it later. But when you watch the Patriots game with 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 Zappy in the game, I mean they called it like a head coach. They called to manage the game. They lost, but they called to manage the game. They gave themselves every chance to win that game the way they called it. I think Minnesota was really lucky to win this one. Mm-hmm. I really do. And I, I'm not sure I buy the field goal kicker for Minnesota, Joseph. I said it on the program. I don't trust him before he missed the kicks. So, you know, and Will Lutz makes some great kicks. It was a fun game to watch. But I, I'm not sold on Minnesota, A, defensively, and B, how they manage games. I agree with you. I thought the Vikings were very fortunate to win this one. This was when the Dalton or the Saints had Andy Dalton there at quarterback with no Jameis Winston, no Alvin Kamara, no Michael Thomas, Andrews Pete on the offensive line banged up as well, didn't play in this game. Vikings win, but don't look good in my opinion. Uh, I don't see this Vikings team being a serious contender. Maybe they stack wins and get to the playoffs, but they're not going to be a team that's serious come December and January. All right, Michael, let's take our first break. You mentioned it, though. On the other side, we'll get to Patriots-Packers at Lambeau Field. It ended up being a fun one in overtime there. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in 
instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Okay, Michael, what a fun game we had at Lambeau Field. And I don't think many people were expecting that when they hear that Brian Hoyer is going to be the starter for the New England Patriots, but Hoyer gets himself knocked out of the game with a concussion. Bailey Zappi, the rookie from Western Kentucky, ends up stepping up there, and the Patriots play the Packers pretty close, but Aaron Rodgers in that Green Bay offense gets it done 27-24 in overtime as Green Bay marches on. I thought it was a brilliant job by the Patriots to – kind of managed the game, even when Zappi came in. Hoyer took him down the field. Uh, you know, he got, he got hit too much early in the game uh, and had, had Hunter Henry uh, wide open on an out route, would have been first and goal with the three, but he got hit too early and he had to throw, the, and it was a bad throw, and then he got hit again. Uh, I don't know who missed the block over on the right, but he got hit on the third down, and then they had to kind of manage the game from there, you know, and – and I, I'm going to have to start posting Big Daddy's texts. They're just phenomenal. I, I was I mean, going to say. <laughs> that was going to be my next question phenomenal. to you. <laughs> I mean, they're just, you know, like Big Daddy's, you know, like if this team, if they switch coaches at halftime, you know, it's the only way the Packers are going to win, you know. And so it just drives him crazy that LaFleur loves to rally the crowd up. Like it just drives him absolutely insane when he sees LaFleur, you know, going crazy on that. But, uh, you know, I mean, look, I think they did everything. They gave themselves a chance. Where they lost the game is – in overtime, they had the ball, I think, right at midfield. Mm-hmm. They yep. get two first downs. They got a chance to win that game, and they just didn't have enough. They couldn't make any plays at that point. Green Bay knew they were going to try to run the football, and they ran out of it. But I think the lesson learned here for the Patriots is, A, when we play almost mistake-free, Zappi had a fumble in the red zone as well, uh, that we have a chance to compete, and we can play well. And even though we gave up uh, you know, a ton of yards running the football, we managed the game correctly. Turned the ball, turned them over, and took away what they wanted to do. So that's all lost in New England. Now they got Detroit, which would be a really tough offense for them to slow down. But they'll move the football. I think they they proved that the two best players on their team are the running game. And if they can just get any play out of their quarterback, they got a chance. I came away impressed with the with the game plan from New England, shortening it up, running the football. Uh, they were able to move the ball early on in that game, I thought, against that Green Bay defense, which is pretty good. But once it got to a passing situation, it became problematic for their Bailey Zappi. Do you think we end up seeing Zappi going forward starting on Sunday? Or if Hoyer clears protocol, do they go back to Brian Hoyer? I, I would think, knowing that the, the way that we are with concussions today, I would suspect that you're going to see Zappi. Now, they're going to have to get – you know, they went into that game and, 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 J- and Jacoby Myers is typically the backup, right? And he wasn't even dressed for the game. So once they lost, once they lost Hoyer, they didn't have a backup quarterback. They were going to have to go to the they were going to have to go to the Wildcat, I would suspect. So, you know, I mean that that's really the issue. And and I think they ran out of plays. I mean, look, they got the ball first and ten at their own forty nine. And Nick Folk's a good kicker. All you got to do is get fourteen yards, fifteen yards, and you got to have a chance to win the game. 
and they just couldn't make that play. But when you're not good enough and when you're playing with a backup, look, this league is all about your quarterback, right? Even though the quarterbacking in the NFL this yesterday was a disaster, if your quarterback can't rise to the level, it's hard, you know? And I think it – but there's a way to win the game, and I think that game was classic Belichickian on how to play, how to manage the game, how to take the air out of the tires – how to call the game like a head coach to help your offense, to help your defense, to help your kicking game. Also on a New England note, this morning, Patriots expected to sign linebacker Jamie Collins per sources. Uh, Mike Reese, who covers the Patriots over at ESPN, tweeted that out about 10 minutes ago. So Jamie Collins to help out the Patriots on that defensive side of the football in that linebacker room. He's been there before, and he's expected to sign in New England. But real quick on a Green Bay note, should we be concerned about what we've seen so far here through the Packers on offense, or do you think that as we continue to go on throughout the season, they'll get a little bit better on that side of the ball? Well, I don't think Big Daddy thinks they're going to get better. Big Daddy wants Gutekest fired. He wants LaFleur <laughs> fired. He wants the entire organization rubbed out. I mean, he, you know, he wants Goody? Murphy gone. You know, he lo- Goody. Like, tell me a good draft pick Goody's make. You know, like, yeah, I get all that. Like, I mean, like, you know, then the best is when he gets that, you know, when he has, like, he could compare who we picked and who somebody else got. That's uh-huh. always the best, you know. It's it's the best, and so you know, Big Daddy said the game would have been the game would have been thirty-one to ten if, if Belichick were coaching the Packers and Lafleur was coaching the thing. You know, <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's. I mean, I know they put put a graphic up there during the game about Lafleur's winning percentage and Guy Chamberlain, John Madden, and Vince Lombardi. He's above all those guys. I mean, really, <laughs> you want to put that up there? You know, you want to put that up there? You really think this is – you're seeing an elite level of coaching here? Are you really seeing that? I mean, is that what you're telling me? I mean, is that what you're going to tell me? I mean, guy, you know, I mean, he's three of – you know, I mean, he's got got a Hall of Fame quarterback, one of a, a top 100 player in my book, and you know, and he's playing against a team with a, a kid from Western Kentucky. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, the Patriots average 4-7 a play. Think about that. They average – I mean, Green Bay averaged 6-2 a play. You know, but mm-hmm. New England was able to control the ball for most of the game until the four, until the fifth quarter when when they they dominated that quarter and they won the game. But look, I think it was pretty clear that you know when if you can if you manage games correctly in the National Football League and understand not to lose the game, you got a chance to win all of them. Well, not saying you will. If, if they win the Super Bowl, then they have to name a street after Lafleur since that's the tradition. Oh, they're going to name. I mean, up there, up he can't there win in, a playoff game at home, <laughs> and they're putting that graphic up there. Like seriously, it's it's, it's Lombardi, Man, it's George, Holmgren, George Seifert. George Seifert's got two two Super Bowl trophies. He's got a seventy percent winning percent. I mean, he's like everything that George Seifert's done, and nobody even talks about Seifert as a good coach because everybody says, "Well, you know, he took over for Walsh, and they were a great team." But we 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 we, we treat Lafleur like it's like move over, Vinny. I'm coming in. Like I'm taking over your office, Vinny. I got it. Don't worry. Here I come. I just went to the barber. I got a fresh cut, and I'll rally the crowd up. I mean, give them fucking pom-poms, will you? Like, seriously. why? I never saw a coach so interested in getting the crowd riled. Well, a guy who won a Super Bowl with the Green Bay Packers, Mike McCarthy, he led his Dallas Cowboys to a 3-1 and record as they beat the, the Washington Commanders, I should say, 25-10. to That's three straight wins for Cooper Rush. Rush, in fact, Michael, now 4-0 and as a starter dating back to last season. But I thought the real story of this game was the Cowboys' defense absolutely shutting down Washington's offense. Yeah, I mean, and look, this is one of those where you get into and, and you get scared. Like, I, I got... I, I had this game handicapped as Washington should have been a six and a half point dog, and the line's three. 
And all I'm hearing, Femi, and you, you've been in this betting world longer than I have, is offshore, tons of sharps playing huge sums of money. I was told mm-hmm. Sunday morning a guy played a half a million dollars on Washington. Whew. And, 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 and the number was like everybody was I, – and I, and I kept saying to the people that I know, like, don't tell me – I want to know why you're – like, what are you seeing in the game that would make you want to play Washington? A, you know, Washington can't protect the passer. B, Washington's poorly coached. C, Washington can't stop anybody. Their defensive line is overrated. They don't get anything out of their defensive front. They don't manage the game correctly. They never, they never play the game, and it gives themselves a chance to win, right? And so, like, tell me why you think they're going to go on the road and win this game. And I'm just trying to find out. Like, I'm trying to find out how you handicap it. And I never could. And, and so, to me, again, give Mike McCarthy credit now. He's managed the game in, in a really good way to where he's given himself a chance to win. They haven't been flashy, but mm-hmm. they called the game to give themselves a chance to win. If they do that, when Dak comes back, they'll be really good. I'm really excited to see what it looks like when Dak Prescott comes back. But I, I agree with you on Washington. That was a game that when you saw the line sitting there at three and a half, it's like, ah, that could be enticing. Cooper Rush, who is he to be laying these kind of points? But the pass rush of the Cowboys versus that commander's offensive line is what kept me off of that game. And I said, hey, you know what? I don't think that this commander seems to be able to protect. And that's what happened. Cowboys were living in the backfield all afternoon long as they improved to three and one on the season. Just or, a game or, behind. or they got penalties. I mean, yeah, I mean, penalties. Yep. I mean, Washington, like you talk about, they're not even, they're so poorly coached. I mean, 11 penalties for 136 yards. So like you sit there and say, well, Dallas didn't really move the ball very much. They had 279. They got 136 in penalties. They got 136 in penalties. Like, how do you do that? Like you just it's give bad. a game away, and then you you know you got you got my man back there turning the ball over at, at, at you know whenever he possibly can, and whenever you rush him, and then then you put the ball this you put the ball in his hands, like you put the ball in in, in Wentz's hands forty two times. What do you think's going to happen? He's got one hundred and seventy yards passing in forty two attempts. Oh. Meanwhile, you've got twenty seven carry. You're running the ball at one hundred forty two. You got one hundred forty two yards. I mean, you're running the ball half decent in the game. They were gashing the Cowboys up front. They just didn't stick to it. And uh, I guess Wentz wants to throw. Well, they don't, that's my point. They yeah. never play the game to win the game. They, they, they just they call the game like an offensive coordinator. We, want, we need yards. We need yards. We need yards. No. How do we play the game to win? How do we call the game? This is what makes me crazy about, well, we brought a game day manager in. No, no, no. There's no game day manager. The game day preparation starts on Monday night and Tuesday. And then Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you practice how you want to manage the game. It all goes together. It's not a random act on Sunday. What's going on in Charlotte? The Arizona Cardinals beat the Carolina Panthers 26-16. to I wrote in my notes, Michael, ugly-ass football game. This oh, was wow. a game that Red Zone kept coming to, and I was like, just please don't. Just stop. I don't want to see this Cardinals in this Panthers game. But the Cardinals get the win. 2-2 two and two they improved to. The Boo Birds were out there in Charlotte. And also, this stat, Michael, is just absolutely absurd. Panthers now 1-26 under Matt Rule when the opponent scores at least 17 points, including 24 straight losses. The seat was warm heading into this season. It might be getting hotter out there in Charlotte for Matt Rule in year three here. Well, I mean, look, you know, it, it's – and I say this, my son's there, and I love mm-hmm. him to death, and I, and I love Matt Rule. I really do. I have great respect for Matt Rule. And, you know, and I hope it's not the end for Matt Rule. I hope they – he because the team – is significantly better from the day he got there. 
The problem is we're in a quarterback league and they haven't fixed the quarterback and they actually have gotten worse with the quarterback. I mean, they went from Teddy, who was playing pretty good for them, to Darnold, who didn't play very good for them, who Baker, who's played really poorly for them. And the rest of the team, I mean, you watch that game, they conducted a clinic on how to defend Kyler Murray, the way they rushed him, the way they handled him in the first half. They go into halftime up 10 to 3, but they can't complete a pass, fam. I mean, they can't complete. I mean, look, I know it's a new system he's in. I understand that. But you're just talking about pitches and catches, right? I mean, we're not even talking about hard throws. I mean, he throws a seven cut to 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 uh, to uh, the receiver. I mean, the guy's wide open, DJ Moore. I mean, he's wide mm-hmm. open, and he throws it five yards behind him. And DJ tries to make a one-handed catch. Like, just simple. You can't beat somebody when you don't have completed passes. I mean, think about it. They've got 64, 64 completed passes in four games. 64. That's That's high school. So, you know, you could fire Matt Rule. Okay, Matt Rule will go get another job in college. He'll win. But the problem is they haven't fixed the quarterback. And have they had the wrong answer? Well, okay, what was it? Justin Fields? Justin had another wonderful day. He had 11 completions yesterday. I mean, you know, it's my guy. sack six times. Another, <laughs> another eleven. Another eleven. That game was fascinating. They had twenty completions total for the game, right? Total twenty total. That's a high school game. Twenty total completions for the game. I mean, so like, look, I think, I think, are they better? Yeah, but the problem is we are in a business of the scoreboard, you know. And so when your quarterback's playing to this level, I mean, they're so bad on third down, Femi. Unless it's third and one where they can run the football. They can't complete a throw for third down. Sam Darnold is on IR. Matt Corral's on season-ending IR. So I don't even know if you can bench Baker Mayfield unless you want to play PJ oh, Walker. I, I think they. I, I think. I think there's some. I mean, look, PJ Walker. Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, he PJ Walker beat Arizona out there last year, Femi. He did. Should we should we bench Baker? I mean, I don't know how you don't. I don't know how you don't. I mean, I, I don't know how you don't. Here's what's happened to, to them. They get to the fourth quarter. They've given up 42 points in the fourth quarter because they're playing doubleheaders on defense. I mean, Carolina has only controlled the ball in four games, 24 minutes. Like, you can't beat anybody when you're playing doubleheaders on defense. They've had 10 fumbles already. You know, and so their defense is playing as good as you can play. They've only given up eight touchdowns on defense. I mean, they've scored, they've scored. They've scored a touchdown with their. They've scored a touchdown on a fumble return, and they scored a touchdown on an interception return. There's 14 points, right? There's 14 points of their 78 points. Do the math. And, and again, I'm not making excuses, but it's the same thing. You got it. The quarterback's got to play better. It's a quarterback league. It's a quarterback-driven league, and that's why when you take a job, when you take a job. If you don't fix the quarterback in the first year and fix it, 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 all of a sudden by year three, if it's not fixed, you become the guy that they're coming after. Mayfield was 22 of 36, 197, a touchdown, and two interceptions. But I promise you, if you watch the game, it was even uglier than that. Oh, how many batted balls? I mean, one of the things that I – when he was playing good in Cleveland, he would average six – the defense would get their hands on six balls a game, a game. I mean, he gets batted balls down. Like, I, I don't understand it. He knows he's short. He got a fourth and one, 
and he's got the guy wide open in the flat, and he tries to throw it over the guy. Like, throw it sideways or throw it somewhere. You're, you're, you're not a big man. I, I mean, I, I, I don't – I mean, look, I've never been a Baker guy. I think they had to sign him because they had to protect themselves. But at some point, you have to sit back and take a step back and say, wait a minute, this isn't working. Well, Michael, we can score one for uh, Robert Sala and the New York Jets as they oh, wow. s- they upset the Pittsburgh Steelers 24-20. to Zach Wilson making his 2022 regular season debut. For three quarters, he was absolutely atrocious from what I saw. But then the fourth quarter, he started to put it together. I thought Wilson actually found a little bit of rhythm leading that game-winning touchdown drive with about 15 seconds to go in the game. But the Jets go ahead and get the victory, and the Steelers now have the quarterback situation going on as they bench Mitch Trubisky at halftime. They go to Kenny Pickett, but the results were pretty much the same. Well, I mean, they really weren't. I mean, uh, I, I thought that he gave them some juice. He gave them some life. Unfortunately, uh, you know, a ball got two balls got tipped, and the interceptions happened, especially the one that they were in score. They're going to put the game away. They're going to put the game away. And they got the interception on a tip pass, and and the guy drops it, and so and then look, give the Jets credit, the the best twenty one plays of Zach Wilson's career happened in the fourth quarter, twenty one plays, he got nine first downs, and they scored fourteen points, twenty one plays, fourteen points, that's pretty damn good. Yeah, controlled the game, you know, had the ball for almost they had nine twenty three, they had the ball. I mean, when it when the game was on the line, they made the plays they had to make, and. You know, he threw an interception to Mika, which we predicted he would. You know, <laughs> he threw two, you know, two interceptions in the game. But at, when the game was on the line, you know, he came through for him. And I think Pittsburgh is just not good enough defensively. They had no choice. I mean, this whole bullshit about, well, Mitch went to Buffalo and got rehab. Look, mm-hmm. Mitch is in way over. Uh, Mitch can't play. I mean, let's just put it out there. Here's what I'd like to share with you. How would you like to be Ryan Pace, who's now the assistant GM? Naturally, he got another job because he's friends with people in the league. <laughs> you pick Mitchell Trubisky, and you pick Justin Fields. So not only did you destroy your franchise once, you left the parting gift when you left. I mean, this is like <laughs> farting as you're walking out of the room, only the fart stays forever. Like, seriously. How, I mean, and he's still working in the league. He'll get five more jobs. Friendship Network. Think about it, Femi. The, the gift he gave the Bears, traded away a first round for Justin Fields. I know you defend him. Guy mm-hmm. had 11 completions yesterday. Things are really – I mean, I, I'm no Eberflus fan in terms of his defensive scheme, but they're trying to do the best they can. I mean, they're trying, but they're running a high school offense at best. I mean, that was a high school game, the Giants and the, and the Bears yesterday. It was truly yeah. – what they should have done is taken that game – Gone over to uh, gone over to a local high school in town and just played the son of a bitch right there. That's what it was. Well, they were over on the completions for the formula. The formula is eight, is what we've established so far here through four 11. weeks. They got eleven, <laughs> but they had eleven. So, but that's... think about think about pace. <laughs> think about the gift he gave the Bears as he as they let him leave and they let him do it. Would you ever let him go on the road and scout a quarterback again? No, he's done. He's done. <laughs> no, he's not done. He's going to keep doing it. Are you kidding me? He's not done. You don't, you don't understand. The NFL is not about who knows what they're talking about. The NFL is about who are you friends with and whose ass will you kiss. That's what it's about. It's not great, but 
kudos to the New York Jets and, and getting that victory against the Pittsburgh Steelers. God bless, Steelers. Them, yeah. God bless they, the New York yeah, Jets. I mean, I thought that's two, one of those man. games, Femi, where you handicap it right and you lose. Like, I thought it was perfectly handicapped. And if if Pickett doesn't throw the pick there or the tip ball at the end of the fourth quarter, I think they're going to I think they're going to go score and I think they're going to win. The life that he gave that team when he went in the game was different. There was a lot of juice in the building. Real quick, Michael, because we were up against it. Should they go with Pickett going forward? Mike no Tomlin, doubt. he was yeah, done. Okay. Yeah, all right. Just go. Yeah. I mean, like, where are you going? You're not good enough anyway. Go. Tomlin was non-committal after the game, but I just wanted to ask you that. We expect it should be Pickett, but you never know in the NFL. Let's take another break, Michael. On the other side, we'll talk more about the Las Vegas Raiders and the Denver Broncos. A supportive work environment can help everyone working in schools stay resilient. Just finding people that can reassure me that I'm doing my best and that there are people out there who understand me and can help me through these situations. You are not alone. Leaning on each other, uh, colleagues in education, is, is essential. You have to. We take care of one another. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. That's cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. All right, Michael, we saw the AFC West show down here in Las Vegas yesterday afternoon. Raiders beating the Broncos 32-23. to Vegas gets its first win of the season. Broncos fall to 2-2. Two and two. But how about Josh Jacobs and that Las Vegas run game really controlling much of that football game? Yeah, I think that, you know, that's really how they won. I mean, I think that's the Raiders' formula. They've got to get him to play at that level, protect the football. Uh, they, you know, they still struggled when they got down the red area, which was problematic. But I, what, what was most to me satisfying as a father and as a fan of the Raiders uh, because I, lo- I like Josh and I like the people there was when the game was on the line and they had to have it, they, they drove it down and scored, put the game away. And the third and one call to Zaire White to me was brilliant. I thought it was a great call. Josh made a great call. And I think, I think Josh called that game like a head coach, not like somebody's trying to just accumulate numbers. They, they had no long plays in the game. And I think the play of the game was they were facing a second and 14. Okay, a second and 14, and Denver's got the momentum. And Denver had closed the game to, I think, a two-point game. I think it was a two-point game at that point. And, and so they, they, they ran the ball on first down. They whiffed on the block. They tackled Jones for a three-yard loss. So it's three or four-yard loss. It's second and 14. And they come back and run a kind of a, uh, a like a, a slant in cut to, to – uh, to Devontae Adams, and he gets 17 yards. That that won the game for him. And then the conversion on third and one won the game. Because my point here is Josh knew if he got into a third down, they were not very good at, at blocking Chubb and blocking Gregory. So when you want to look at a stat sheet after the game, Chubb had three assisted tackles, no sacks. Gregory had two two tackles, one unassisted, you know, and he had two quarterback hits. So they they did exactly what they had to do, even though the line's not good enough. So it's it was a great win for them. Russell's stat sheet. I, I'm interested to see what you think of this. Mm-hmm. His stat sheet made it look like he played great. Did you think he played great watching the game? To his standards, no. But I did think offensively they looked better. We we actually saw the vertical game, the deep pass down to KJ Hamler. I thought he and Sutton were a little bit better as well. He also connected with Jerry Judy on a touchdown. I thought offensively in the passing game they were a little bit better, but the offensive line, they couldn't block Max Crosby to save their lives. There was well, either they got the third penalties. best right tackle in all of football. I mean, come on. They got the third best tackle in all of football. Why wouldn't they block him? I don't understand that, Femi. What's your problem here? I mean, Jesus <laughs> Christ, Femi. They got the third best. We don't need to discuss it anymore. Just move forward. 
They got the third best right tackle in all of football. They're blocking everybody. They block the sun over there. Man, I don't understand it. We got to stop this. You got to stop picking on the right tackle. He's tremendous. I mean, even though they're chipping him. I, I, on third down, I thought to me their liability. I mean, he was 3 of 11 on third down. Mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons why they couldn't hold the ball. And then, you know who showed up yesterday? My man Garrett Bowles. He showed up oh holding like crazy. He tackling was, like crazy. He was hugging a guy at hugging, one point. Uh, <laughs> actually, I mean, he hugs people hugging. better than I hug my grandchildren. He hugs them better than I hug my I got to take a lesson from him on hugging on how I, if I, when I see Dino and Leo and I got to hug you like this. I'm going to give him the Garrett Bowles hug. Holy hell. There was one penalty that they threw in. It's like you see the replays of these holding penalties. And it's like, okay, yeah, there was holding. The man literally was bear hugging a defensive end. And at that point, I was like, this should be a 20-yard penalty. This shouldn't be a 10-yard penalty what this guy is doing. You didn't hug your first girlfriend that tight. (laughs) I promise you. Ah, man, that Denver offensive line a little shaky there. But the guy that pissed me off yesterday for Denver was Melvin Gordon. The, the Broncos were, it was tied, I believe it was, in the first half. They're driving the ball. They had a little bit of momentum there on the plus side of the field. Melvin Gordon fumbles the football right into Robertson's hands, and Robertson takes off down the sideline. And, and runs. like, like what, what's going Why are we still going back to Melvin Gordon? The man has four fumbles in four games, Michael. What, like, what's, what did he get? Didn't, I think Williams got hurt on the play before. Williams, I think that was the yeah. play. Yeah, he got hurt on the play before. Yeah, I mean, I think to me, you're right. I mean, look, when a, as Parcell says, when a player shows you who he is, believe him. Mm-hmm. I mean, Hunter Renfro, six fumbles last year. He's got three already this year. He's missed two games. Okay? He's got three. He's showing you that he has a hard time holding the football. Better believe him. I mean, Josh Jacobs, when he's carrying it as loose as he does, he worry. I'm like, hold the ball, Josh. Hold the ball. Like, I remember when, when I was in San Francisco, we had Wendell Tyler, who was a known fumbler, you know, and. And somebody worked out, this is way before analytics came in, somebody got their pencil out, because I don't even think we had calculators at this time. Maybe <laughs> we did. You know, that's how old I am. But anyway, so, like, every once, every 27 carries, every 27 carries, Wendell Tyler would fumble. So it's like, we'd be, okay, he's had 26, get him out, he's going to fumble the next time, you know? Like, that. Melvin Gordon's going to fumble. They show you he's going to fumble, he fumbles. I mean, this is a closer game, only because, once again, the Raiders are two for five in the red zone. And they were one for two and goal to go. Wasn't great. It wasn't great from the Broncos, but congrats to the Raiders getting that first victory. Let's motor on to the Motor City here, Michael. The Seahawks and the Lions in what was a shootout. Defense optional or maybe non-existent. Seahawks win 48-45. to Geno Smith, 23 of 30, 320 and two touchdowns as this Lions defense continues to look like a paper mache out there on the field through a month. I mean, they'd be better off setting up cones. I mean, you, you got I mean, literally, I mean, Seattle was 9 for 12 on third down. I mean, this is this is one of those I mean, Geno only throws seven incompletions in the game. But here here's where it's when you go to the drive chart, like when you go to the drive chart in the game, or both teams I mean, first of all, Seattle never punted. Just so you know that. <laughs> Seattle never punted. They started the first half with three touchdowns and a field goal. Okay. Now the second half, you know, they they started with a missed field goal and they got a touchdown that never punted. Never punted. Every drive resulted in some form of a first down. Okay. And the Lions, their last four drives in the game, from seven minutes to go in the third quarter till the game ended at 106 for them, they scored four touchdowns. It's that Lions defense. You're not going to be able to win with that. But let's well, keep, Seattle's defense ain't much not, better yeah, now yeah, either. Yeah, you're not going to win with that one either. Yeah, I mean, the Lions had the Lions had three 12 play drives in the game. Three. 
12 blade drives. It's de- I mean, defense it's just remarkable. I mean, there was no defense at all. I mean, and it's just the fact that Seattle didn't turn it over and Detroit had an interception and a fumble. And that's why they lose the game. How about the defense for the L.A. Chargers? They get the win against the Houston Texans. Thankfully, I used the Chargers in Survivor, actually, so I was sweating that game out. Chargers win 34-24, to but their defense, Michael, whew, man. Outside of a couple plays from Khalil Mack, that secondary was getting lit on fire by Davis Mills. They got and a pro bowlers. They got pro bowlers on every level. Stop, Femi. Oh, you gotta, man. you gotta understand this. You gotta, you gotta buy the bullshit, Fem. <laughs> you gotta buy the bull. If you're not gonna buy the bullshit, what are you doing this pod for? Come on, now. We gotta buy the bullshit. Brendan Staley's the best coach in football, and he's a mastermind on defense. Even though when you look at his numbers last year, and you look at his numbers this year, ha- have you had a chance to check out this genius's numbers? I, I have. I mean, like. It's a complete charade. It's a complete charade. Like, if I'm the owner of the Chargers, I'm saying, wait a minute, I hired you to fix our defense. I hired you because I got a great quarterback, and if I get any play out of my defense, I'm going to be good. I'm 30th in points allowed. I'm 20th in yards allowed. I'm my, the yards per attempt in the run game, I'm 31st. Is that good? <laughs> I've allowed 29. I'm the one of the worst teams in allowing you to throw the ball into the end zone. You know, I mean, like, seriously, I can't create turnovers. I mean, like, I, I don't get it. Like, and the reason he goes for it on fourth down, it isn't because he's analytically savvy. Mm-hmm. It's because he knows his defense sucks and he can't stop anybody. He's all yours. You, he's your guy. He, he's not my guy. We, we talked about it last Monday. I said I'm absolutely out on Brandon Staley. I continue to be out on Brandon Staley because, yeah, that defense, like you said, was getting cooked by a pretty pedestrian offense led by Davis I'll tell you Mills. one thing. They, you know, they're going to line up from here. From, I'm in Ocean City. They're going to line up from here to San Francisco. That job is a gold mine. Oh, yeah. If, they, if that job opens up, <laughs> if the Spanos family is actually has any sophistication and understands football at all, and they realize what they have, if they get the right guy to coach that team, oh. they, you may have a hard time beating that team. Oh, now, man. But they can't stay healthy. Again, wonder why. You know, wonder why. We don't practice. You know, we don't, you know, got no pad level. Got no physical. We got no toughness. I mean, we got no toughness now. Tell me they have toughness. I won't. Of course they don't. I won't. The quarterback does. Yeah, he's, he's a tough SOB, that guy. <laughs> Man, he, he was phenomenal once again yesterday. Uh, all is good with Justin Herbert. All is also good, Michael, apparently on the surface, with the Kansas City Chiefs as they beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 41-31 Sunday night football. Wasn't an exciting game. Probably wasn't as close as the score indicates as well. But Mahomes was terrific. 249, three touchdowns, one interception. That was a bad throw. But outside of that, I thought he was spectacular. Yeah, and I was really disappointed, and I, I really thought Tampa would play better. I thought Todd Bowles would take out yeah. Kelsey. I thought he would take him out of the game and make him throw the ball somewhere else, you know? Look, Kansas City was on fire. Andy Reid obviously had it going. But to me, when you when you look at the stat sheet, and Kelsey's got 10 targets, 9 receptions, and, you know, he kills you in those areas, then, you know, that then you deserve – and they couldn't stop the run. I mean, Andy ran the ball 37 times. Takes a while to find that – in the stat books. Look, Tampa's Tampa understanding with all the movement and all that, but I mean, Tampa ran the ball six times in the game. That's what happens when you get behind in a game. You, you all of a sudden become a 50 pass game and no matter who's playing quarterback, you can't win or it's hard to win. Chiefs had 189 yards rushing and the Bucks had three yards rushing. That will tell you everything you need to know about that game. Titans. They beat the Colts as the Titans now quietly 
two and two on the season. The Colts, this early season swoon by Frank Reich and his team continues. They lose, they fall to one, two and one on the season. And it's getting tight out there in Indy now with a lot of pressure about this team that was supposed to be the division favorite going away out there in the AFC South. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I bought the I, – I got to admit, I raised my hand. I, I got fooled by them. Same, I did. same. I got fooled by them, and, and I thought that their offensive line would play a lot better. You know, I have never was a fan of their scheme defensively, the Gus Bradley-Seattle scheme. And, you know, I mean, look, Tennessee comes out of this game, they score 24 straight points. They, they start the game, they get the lead, they put this offensive line in jeopardy. I mean, Matt Ryan, again, throws for 356, great. Got 109 quarterback rating, great. Right? Can't win a game. This is what I'm talking about. When you call the game like an offensive coordinator instead of like, how do you manage the game? They get behind in the game. You know, they can't stop Henry from running. He averages 5-2 a carry. You know, Tannehill, nice, perfect, 21, 21 pitches, 17 completions. Just what you want them to do. So, to me, I mean, look, I don't see how the Colts, they got to play Denver. They got to play Denver out in Denver on Thursday night. How are they fixing that problem? They're not going to block Denver's front. If Gregory's healthy, will likely be without Jonathan Taylor in that game. Suffered what they believe is a high ankle sprain. Also, Shaquille Leonard now in the concussion protocol on a short week. It's going to be real tough for this Colts team to go out there to the Rocky Mountains and get a victory. Finally, Michael Falcons and the Browns. They defeated Cleveland. Atlanta did 23-20. to Game came down to turnovers, in my opinion. Also, Atlanta absolutely gashing the Browns defense that was missing three starters on the defensive line. I mean... The Atlanta Falcons, congratulations, they won a game. They threw seven completed passes in the game. How in the hell do you win that game? They scored 13 points in the fourth quarter. They had 25 plays, and they had 11 first downs in the fourth quarter. And they only had seven completions for the game. I mean, this is what happens. And then when the Browns got behind, all of a sudden they couldn't make a play. I mean, I thought the Browns would run the ball, which they could, but they could never stop the Falcons, even though they t- – and, and, and they didn't even get the best version of Cordell Patterson. I mm. liked the Falcons all week. I was worried about Cordell Patterson playing in the game. I was worried about him playing in the game. I thought if he's not healthy, they won't win. But, you know, he, they won anyway in spite of it. To your credit, though, to Arthur Smith's credit, I should say, he, he called plays to win the game. 35 he carries, did. 202 yards, and they knew the passing game wasn't working, and they just kept pounding the rock, and that ended up being victorious for them. I, I mean, he called the game like a head coach. Give him credit there. He really did. He called the game like a head coach. He didn't call looking for stats. He called looking for wins, and I think that's so important. And understanding where the game is and how you have to manage the game. It, Kevin O'Connell, we, we can't really – we're not able to block them on third down, so let's stay out of third down. Let's avoid third down. You know, let's say if we can do that. I think that's so critical. And I think when you saw Atlanta, you know, they were only three for nine in third downs. That See, he saw the game, right? Mm-hmm. He saw the game how he had to call the game. So he stayed out of third down. All right, Mike, let's take our last break. We'll get to the awards and also preview Monday Night Football Rams and the 49ers. All right, Michael, before we get out of here, let's hand out some awards here, and we'll yep. start off with On the Lamb. Who's going on the Lamb this week? Well, I mean, if you ask Big Daddy, it would be LaFleur, but he would be on the Lamb permanently, according <laughs> yeah, to Big Daddy. Every he, week. Might put Gutekest, he might put Gutekest on there. I mean, I'm, I got to get Big Daddy's. I got to get an award for Big Daddy every week, the text of the, the, text of the week. I think that's what I'm going to start doing is, what is the text of the week? Give it to Stephen, uh, Stephen uh, Bond and let him put it up there. Uh, you know, I, I think to me, when I, when I went over this, 
I thought the Seattle offense, I mean, when you don't punt in the game, I know they're playing against Cones and the Lions, but you got to give them credit. I mean, you got to get the game plan. Went on the road. You score 48 points in a, in a visiting stadium with, with Geno Smith. Give them credit. Yeah. Seattle offense is the Fred Palermo best game plan of the week. On the lamb, we're going to MVP Mitch and Baker Mayfield, as we discussed earlier in the pod. If you don't know, now you know, Michael. What don't we know? Well, we know there was really bad quarterbacking yesterday. We could say Kellen Moore's a backup, but there's a lot of guys playing that are backups, right? Mm-hmm. Daniel Jones is a backup. Uh, Justin Fields is a backup. Baker's a backup. Oh, there's a lot of backup quarterbacks playing, and yesterday was another example of it. I think, to me, you could dismiss Cooper Rush all you want, but tell me, why is Cooper Rush better than why isn't Cooper Rush better than Baker Mayfield? Ask yourself that question. I mean, that's the problem. There's very elite quarterbacks, and we're seeing it. I mean, yesterday was a perfect example. There's some bad quarterbacks. I mean, Mariota played poorly yesterday too. I think you, unless you get the quarterback to play at a high level, and maybe you can't. This is some bad. That's why the Raiders have a chance. Carr can play better. You know, Packers. Rogers is going to play better. Murray, I didn't think Murray played good yesterday. I thought he was just a I thought it was like defended him. I mean, two hundred and forty million for that. I guess the Cardinals are two and two. Uh the David Ogilvy, who's the fraud this week? Well, I mean, I think it's the Chargers defense. I mean, can you be any more clear? I mean, no. you know, they let them run the ball right down their throats. And we said all offseason, they got bigger inside, they got bigger inside, they're gonna be much better. You know, that that's the rhetoric. You have to believe that, Femi. What a joke. Talented, but fraudulent. And we talked about it with the blue chip, red chip series. A lot of those guys ended up on the blue chip and red chip list. But from a schematic standpoint, they don't know what the hell they're doing out there in Los Angeles. Michael, before we get out of here, tonight's game, Monday Night Football, Rams 49ers at our show sponsor, DraftKings. Niners two-point favorites, total 42 and a half. How do you see this one playing out? I love the Niners. I think they'll get after the front of the, the Rams. I think this Niner defense is going to be fun to watch. They're fast. They're explosive. Got to make sure they're healthy. They're two linebackers. Are they healthy? Can they go that way? But I, I think they'll put some pressure on Stafford. And if he continues to turn the ball over like he's done, I, I think that'll be the difference in the game. The loss of Trent Williams, does that concern you for the San they Francisco's offense? Him. Yeah, it does. It concerns the hell out of me. I mean, but it only concerns me if they have to throw it every down. If they get behind in this game, it's over. In-game betting. That's going to be key. When, when these teams like San Francisco, you know, to a degree, not so much Cleveland, but the teams that rely on the outside zone scheme in their, in their run game, they, they get behind, they have no pass protection. They can't drop back pass. And they have no drop back pass game. That, that San Francisco's got to start fast in this game. I think that's great analysis there. And uh, in-game betting, that's what I do here at VEASAN. VEASAN Live Bet tonight. So I'll use that nugget for tonight on the in-game betting show. Michael, before we get out of here, let's just thank our listeners and viewers as well because we cracked the Apple Top 100 on the Apple Podcast. Awesome stuff. The feedback we're getting on the GM Shuffle has been phenomenal. We're only going upward from here. But uh, thank you so. to all of you guys there for listening and, well, yeah. uh, and interacting with the pod. Well, you know, I, when I wrote about Howard Cosell in the book, I was a fascinating character, and he said, if, we see, if you see it, you got to say it, and I think that's the tagline of the GM Shuffle. If you see it, you got to say it. Indeed. Thank you to DraftKings. Thank you to VEASAN. Thank you to our producer, Stephen Bond, as always, on the ones and twos with us, and thank you to you, Michael. Always subscribe, rate, and thank review you, wherever Femi. you get your podcast. Thank you, my friend, and we'll talk to you guys on Thursday.
A lot is being asked of people working in schools. Teachers have more and more things to do. The shortage of teachers right now, um, you know, having to fill a lot of holes and, and wear a lot of hats, it's, it's very difficult. There are steps you can take to manage stressful times, whether in the classroom or outside of work. For me personally, I can disconnect by just being outside. Laughing <laughs> works a lot. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now.